Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. You know, before we go into our word, I have to be obedient to what God tells me to do. And I just thank and praise God for his mighty hand of protection. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? His mighty hand of protection. And every now and then we have to go back in the archives of our minds. Sometimes we may not want to visit those places, but sometimes it's absolutely necessary. And I can think back years ago as a child. I was brought up and raised in church, but didn't really want to be there. Really didn't want to be there. And I was made to go. And, you know, after a while, after we get to a certain age, we want to be bigoty. We want to know everything. We know what we should be doing, but we're not doing it. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? And after I got grown and got on my own, I started making some choices in life that weren't good for me. And we hear a lot of things about being a victim of domestic abuse. Back in the 70s, I was that victim. I shouldn't be even able to stand in front of you, but it was because of the mighty hand of my God. I was beat by my ex with a pool stick with my baby in the crib in the same room. Now, you tell me if that ain't God. Oh, sure, I lived through it. I had stitches in my right arm. But who wouldn't want to serve a God like this? And then as time went on, Still doing my own thing. I think I was about 18 or 19. We used to go to a lot of the school dances and house parties. And you go to these places and you're thinking you're having a good time. But then again, God's mighty hand of protection. Mistaken identity. A woman come running up on me. I'm just a young girl. Oh, you've been running my husband. I said, I don't think so. I really don't think so. But fear came over me. And back in the day, y'all know what I'm talking about. You can sit there and look at me strange if you want to. Boone's Farm was the juice of the day. And if you didn't know about Boone's Farm, Annie Greenspring. So, you know, people like a lot of drama. Oh, yes, they do. And I'm here to let you know that I'm not part of the view, nor the talk. And I definitely am not related to Dr. Phil, okay? While I'm high on this alcohol, here comes somebody swooping through and gave me a knife, put a knife in my hand. Like I said, I was shaking in my boots. Even though I might have been intoxicated, I was afraid that woman was going to come through there and beat me down. But 
even though I held on to that knife, I could have raised it to defend myself, but it was only because of the mighty hand of God, his hand of protection where I did not do it. I would have been in jail. I would have been behind bars. Amen. But God was still merciful. He was still good. While I'm trying to figure it out, God already had it worked out. He has a plan and a purpose for each and every person sitting in this house. Amen. So as time went on, a decision had to be made. And how many of you know, if you're not careful because of the cares of life and the stress, you will fall into a state of depression like never before. Now, y'all can sit there and look at me real strange if you want to. Maybe I'm not in the right place, but I know what I'm talking about, okay? Been there, done it, and lived it. So I had to sell my house. I had to go and live with my mother, with my children. And how many of you know somebody prayed for me? They had me on their mind. They took the time to pray for me. And I am so glad. I am so glad that somebody prayed for me. Mother, will you stand? Mother Withers, this is my dear sweet mother, and I love her. And I want you to know that I have a praying mother. Because she'll tell you in a minute, when you can't trace him, you better trust him. Amen. You can be seated, mother. God is good. He's good to us. He's good to us. I don't know what you got planned for the day. I don't know what's in the crock pot, but I'm going to be here for a while <laughs> because God said so. Amen. Is that all right? I'm thinking that it'll be all right. God is so good. He's good to us. Give God some praise because we serve a great God. A great God. Don't never feel like you're the Lone Ranger, that you're on this road by yourself because you are not. You are not. If you would stand with me at this time, I want to go to a portion of scripture coming from 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 4, 6, 1 Peter 4, 12. I'm, I'm going to get it together. I'm, I'm going to get it together. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls 
unto him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Another passage of scripture right next door, 1 Peter 5 and 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, established, strengthened, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank and praise you for your word, because your word is what's going to keep us, Father God. Lord, I just thank and praise you for ordering my steps in your word, Father God, because, Lord, we know and realize that time is winding up. Lord, help us to do a self-examination to make sure that we will be ready when our number is called, Father God. Lord, let us not take anything for granted, Father God, because it's only because of your mercy and your grace that we even woke up on this morning. Lord, help us to be not only hearers of your word, but be doers, Father God. And Lord, I just thank and I praise you, Lord. And we ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. We must humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And the phrase, the mighty hand of God, is common in the Old Testament. And it is often used in connection with the deliverance which God wrought for his people when he brought them out of Egypt. Thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. The ideal is that God's mighty hand is on the destiny of his people. Do you believe that? If they will humbly, faithfully accept his guidance. Now, the, the God that I serve, he is truly a gentleman. He's not going to force you to have a relationship with him. He gives us a choice. We have a free will. Amen. So after all the experiences in life, Joseph could say to his brothers who had once sought to eliminate him, as for ye, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Now, we as Christians, we are never supposed to resent the experiences of life and never rebel against them because we should know that the mighty hand of God is on our life. His hand is on our life. We were bought with a price. We are not our own. And that God has a destiny for you. Aren't you excited about it? You know, we're just traveling through. This, this, this is not our home. There's no need in trying to even get comfortable here. Even though the lights look good and everything's looking gorgeous and beautiful, but that's all right. The Bible tells me in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people, which are called by my name, 
shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. So while this promise was originally given to Solomon regarding the people of Israel, it is certainly applicable to all who will call on the Lord in repentance. The day is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. I mean, look around you. Pay attention to the signs. God is soon to come. But will you be ready? Now, God, he resists the proud, but giving grace unto the humble. Cast all anxiety upon God. And the psalmist says, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall, it doesn't say he might, he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. So let me help you out. Let's go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and 25. Take no anxious thought for tomorrow. 6 and 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink. Not yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than me and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better then they, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So the reason we can do this with confidence is that we can be certain that God cares for us. As Paul had it, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We can be certain that because God cares for us, life is not out to break us, but to make us. And with that assurance, we can accept any experience which comes to us. Put your hands together if you believe that. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, if we were to go back 
the first Peter five and eight. And as you look at it, because we've already read it, I'm gonna read to you the amplified version to make sure that you get it. And it says, be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times for that enemy of yours, the devil roams around like a lion roaring in furious hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. So you see, Peter knew how hard this vigilance was, for he must have remembered how in Gethsemane he and the other disciples had slept when they should have been watching with Christ. The devil is out to see who he can destroy. Again, Peter must have been remembering how the devil had overcome him and how he had denied his Lord. Whenever a crime is committed, the police would round up the usual suspects, those with prior run-ins with the law. Whenever a major crime was committed, usually a bank robbery, during the Depression era, the usual suspects included well-known criminals you've probably heard of. John Dillinger, Bonnie and Clyde, Babyface Nelson, Machine Gun Kelly, Al Capone. Well, if any in this group weren't already in jail or prison, the police would automatically consider them suspects. Authorities kept tabs on these criminals at all times, where they were, who they were with, their normal pattern of criminal behavior. Public enemy number one, short career. He was killed at age 31, named John Dillinger. Charming, he was idolized as a modern-day Robin Hood. Everybody knew who Dillinger was and his gang. So just as everyone in the 20s and during the Great Depression knew who America's public enemy number one was, so every Christian knows who his spiritual enemy number one is. And in case you don't know, it's Satan. Okay? Satan himself. And just as John Dillinger had a gang that worked with him, Satan has a gang of usual suspects. Now, y'all looking at me kind of strange, but you know, just follow me. These usual suspects that work with him Whenever a follower of Jesus finds himself the victim of a spiritual crime, one of Satan's usual suspects is likely responsible. So, you want to know who these spiritual suspects are? There are plenty of them, but we will look at five of the usual suspects. Doubt, confusion, loneliness, regret, and hopelessness. Now, these demonic criminals find a way to tempt us as believers in the best of times and the worst of times. So whenever bad guys, human or demonic, prepare to assault their victims, they case the joint before making their move. They watch 
from a distance, looking for patterns of activity and weaknesses. And Peter, he tells us that Satan plans his attack. So it's important to discern good from bad in the spiritual dimension of life. And nowhere is that more necessary when we are confronted with spiritual doubt, which is one of the five usual suspects that can trip us up in our walk with Christ. Now, the question is, are doubts always bad? Can doubts ever be good? Can they be helpful? Be clarifying when it comes to understanding the faith. Criminal investigators study the way a criminal operates to find patterns of behavior, patterns that may lead to future activity. We need to know how doubt, everybody say doubt, operates in our life. Doubt is helpful in the Christian life when it leads to a clarification of truth, but destructive when it leads to disobeying truth, okay? Should I say it again? Do you want me to say it again? Doubt is helpful in the Christian life when it leads to a clarification of truth, but destructive when it leads to disobeying truth. For instance, in the Garden of Eden, Satan introduced doubt into the minds of Adam and Eve. You know, when he said, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Perhaps Adam and Eve doubted for a moment as they recalled what God had said to them earlier that they could eat from any tree in the garden except, everybody say except, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Their momentary doubts should have led to an instant clarification and dismissal of Satan's questioning. God said it, they should have believed it, and that should have settled it. But instead, Adam and Eve's doubts allowed them to reconsider God's words to them and to be deceived by Satan, leading to their and our spiritual downfall. A doubt is like a crossroad. The direction you choose to go makes all the difference. Now look at it. Fingerprints are used for identification purposes. Am I right about it? Crime scene investigators can follow a criminal's trail by following his left behind fingerprints. Fingerprints of doubt show up in all areas of our life. You don't have to say amen because I already know where I'm at and I know where I'm going. We can have doctrinal doubts about what God said. Would God really want us to abstain from that one tree? The answer is yes. Satan loves to attack what God said. Sometimes the fingerprints of doubt show up in places where God has not specifically given us instructions on like who to marry, what job to take, where to go to college. In those cases, guess what the answer is? Wait. And that's what gets a lot of us in trouble because we want to help God. We don't want to wait. We want to tell him how, when. You're not at Burger King. You cannot have it your way. It has to be God's way. Amen. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God 
And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when doubt appears to steal the confidence of the Christian, it is always accompanied with two partners in crime. You want to know who those partners are? Because I'm trying to help y'all. I'm trying to help y'all. Fear and worry. Remember, when Jesus and the disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee and a terrible storm came, the disciples doubted Jesus' ability to get them safely to the other side. And as a result, they were consumed with fear and worry. And Jesus asked them, where's your faith? And that's what I'm asking you today. Where is your faith? I don't know what you're going through. Only God knows that. But are you going to exercise your faith? On the other hand, when Jesus indicated he would accompany a Roman centurion to his home to heal his servant, the centurion never doubted Jesus for a minute. So doubt likes to hide out where you least expect it. And it's right in the center of your faith. Think about it. What better time for doubt to show up? You know, you talking all this big talk when you have just taken a step or a stand of faith for the Lord. Right after you said, yes, Lord, planting a seed of faith. And then Satan tries to come and snatch away the seed of faith that was sown in your heart. It is so important to keep the ground of your heart cultivated and receptive so seeds of faith can spring up quickly and firmly rooted before doubt appears on the scene. Give doubt no hiding place, no place to establish a foothold in your faith. Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. So doubt always aims for the Christian's feelings as a prime target for attack. Now, Bonnie and Clyde's cycle of crime ended when authorities set an ambush for them and poured 130 rounds into the car they were driving. You know, that sounds pretty brutal, but they had to be stopped. So in other words, doubt has to be dealt with. If Adam had gotten in the serpent's face and said, God said not to touch the tree, even I believe it, and that settles it. Be gone. Be gone. Better start getting bold. Stop playing pity pat with Satan because he ain't playing with you. If you say you love God, if you say you trust him and you put your confidence in God and you're going to stand on his word, stand on his promises, you got to get bold with the enemy because he'll try to run your house. Oh, yes, he will. In other words, doubt is captured by truth. God said it. Faith and I believe it. No compromise. And the thought that I'm going to leave with y'all today, I want you to catch it because I see your eyes is getting big. Put it under arrest and put it away for good. Put it under arrest and put it away for good. Now Al Capone, he was sent to prison for tax evasion because of all the activities he was involved in. He kept the authorities confused. Oh, yes, he did. They knew he was the boss of the Chicago underworld, but they couldn't prove it. The state of confusion was finally cleared up with state's evidence. He spent the last year of his sentence in the prison hospital confused 
and disoriented. The man who made a career of confusing authorities ended up reaping the confusion he had sown. So you see, confusion leads to indecision, frustration, and lack of progress. And we know that is not God's will. The Apostle Paul made it very clear to the church at Corinth that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. The Christians at Corinth were so undisciplined in their exercise of spiritual gifts in their worship services that chaos and confusion were the results. But you know, Paul knew this would reflect poorly on God himself. The Apostle Paul was a powerful man of God. We remember where God brought Paul from. Amen. He was going around persecuting the churches. And after a while, he was building churches up. Look at God. Look at God. Look how he, look how he does it. He can do what he want, when he want, how he want. Amen. So if a non-Christian came into the church service and witnessed such confusion, he would say, you are out of your mind. But where order and edification exists in the church, the non-believer will fall down on his face and he will want to worship God and report that God is truly among us. Amen? And what is true in the church is true in our personal lives as well. If our lives are filled with confusion and disorder, won't people wonder about this God that we say we serve? Oh, yes, they will. They'll be looking at you kind of strange. So we must capture this usual suspect, put him under arrest, and put him away for good. Thank you, Father. I got to give you thanks. Because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at it now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I got to give you praise because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive and with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen.